Hey, Krishna. All right. Good morning, everybody. I'm going to continue in the Srimad Bhagavatam. We are in the 12th canto, uh, chapter number 11, beginning with text number 1. And this is a wonderful section here, which is a description of um, the Supreme Lord. And it's actually a nice verse describing... Um, Lord Chaitanya, that is uh, referenced here. But I'm going to read, first of all, the uh, summary. In the, con- in the context of worship, this chapter describes the Mahapurusha and the various expansions of the sun in each month. Sri Sutta first tells Sonika Rishi about the material objects through which one can understand the major limbs, the secondary limbs, the weapons, and garments of Lord Sri Hari. Then he outlines the process of practical service by which a mortal soul can attain immortality. When Sanaka shows further interest in learning about the expansion of Lord Hari in the form of the sun god, Sutta replies that Lord Sri Hari, the indwelling controller of the universe, and its original creator manifests himself in the form of the demigod of the sun. Sages describe this sun god in many features according to his different material designations. To sustain the material world, the supreme personality of God had manifest his potency of time as the sun and travels throughout the 12 months, beginning with Chaitra, along with 12 sets of personal associates. One who remembers the opulences of the personality of Godhead Sri Hari in his form as the sun will become free of his sinful reaction. So, Magyaratmanandasa. Shri Chaitanya Manobhistam Stapitam Jaina Bhuttale Swayam Rupakadamayam Dadati Swapadantikam. Shri Sanaka Uvacha Atamam artam prichamo bhavatam bahu vitamam samasta tantra radhante bhavan bhagavata tatvavit. So we have tatvavit Prabhu visiting here doing translation work. Here's his name coming in the 12th canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam. The translation is uh, Sri Seneca said, O Sutta, you are the best of learned men and a great devotee of the Supreme Lord. Therefore, we now inquire from you about the definitive conclusion of all Tantra scriptures. So here, um, in this verse, we're having uh, a reference to the Tantras, just like we're worshiping Radhakalachanji according to the Pancha Tantra, the Pancha Chikividi. Um also, here, learned men, is the, the name Tatvavit is described here as a learned man. And Sutta Goswami is also being referred to as a great devotee of the Supreme Lord. We're also, today is the um, disappearance day of Jayananda Prabhu, who, in our movement, was uh, recognized as a great devotee. So maybe we can talk about him a little bit as well. All good fortune to you. Please explain to us who are very eager to learn the
the process of Kriya Yoga practiced through regulative worship of the transcendental Lord, the husband of the goddess of fortune. Please also explain how the Lord's devotees conceive of his limbs, associates, weapons, and ornaments in terms of particular material representations. By expertly worshiping the Supreme Lord, a mortal can attain immortality. So these instructions are meant to help us get free from the cycle of birth and death and also to understand how to relate to and worship the Lord. There's a beautiful verse about Lord Chaitanya. See if I can remember it. It goes... um, um, the very famous verse, it goes, Krishna Varnam Twisha Krishnam Sango Pangashtra Parshadam Yagnai Sankirtanai Prayer Yajantihi Sameda Saha. So that's from the 11th canto, chapter 5, text 32. And the translation is, um, that uh, Krishna, let me think this, Krishna Varnam, Twisha Krishnam. Okay, the Lord in his incarnation as Gaurasundar, as Lord Chaitanya, has a golden complexion. Indeed, his entire body, which is very nicely constituted, is just like molten gold. A sandalwood paste is smeared over his entire body. Um, He will accept the fourth order of spiritual life, sannyas, and be very self-controlled. And he will be distinguished from the uh, mayavadi sannyasis in that he will um, be fixed in devotional service and will... Um, spread the Sankirtan movement. But that's not the verse I wanted to say. Uh, there's another one that goes, um, uh, there's another one that goes what? It's, um, I think, it talks about Lord Chaitanya appearing with his associates and servants in the five different features. His, the five different features of the Supreme Lord that are referenced here in this verse. And it goes, it's from the Mahabharat, it's the Vishnu Sahasranam, the thousand names of Lord Vishnu. Lord Chaitanya is described there. And, um, Sudhir do you know how that verse starts? From the Mahabharat? No? It goes, um, let me see if I can recall it here. I know one of the verses, one of the words is chandan angadi. That means whose body smeared with chandan. And I said that. Anyway, so the English translation is, um, the Lord in his incarnation as Gorsunda, right? Appears. That's the one I just described. And then there's another one where, um, he's described as the supreme personality of Godhead. Even though uh, he's, even though his complexion is not blackish, he is Krishna himself, and he um, and he appears and he um, uh, performs his pastimes within this world with his associates, servants, weapons, and confidential companions. So 
Panchatattva has five features, right? We're worshiping Lord Chaitanya, Lord Nityananda, Advaita Acharya, Sri Gadadhar, and Srinivasacharya. Right? So Lord Chaitanya is the Supreme Personality of Godhead Himself. Lord Nityananda is, manif- uh, is exhibiting the symptom or the, the qualities of being the what? The power? He's Lord Balaram, so he must be the power of the Lord, right? Advaita Charya is the incarnation of the Lord. Gadadhar is what? What feature of the Lord is Gadadhar? I know Srinivasacharya is the devotee of the Lord. He's Narda Muni. And Gadadhar is the internal potency. Anyway, these are five features. So this is being referenced here in the 12th canto. And that by understanding these and by the process of regulated deity worship and chanting um, the Lord's holy name, a person can actually realize these different aspects of the Lord's personality as transcendental and attain immortality. Right? We have this famous verse in the Bhagavad Gita that um, anyone, uh, what is it? Janma karma chame dibyam evan That if we understand the transcendental nature of the Lord's birth and his activities and his qualities, his pastimes, that one doesn't have to enter again into this material world. You see? And the proof of that is when we do worship Radha Chandi, when we worship the deities, when we chant the holy name, we get free from the influence of the modes of material nature. Right? We get free from lust, anger, greed, um, ignorance, and passion, and even goodness. And we um, develop our inclination to uh, love and serve the devotees and to help other people. Here Sutta Goswami says, Offering obeisances to my spiritual masters, I shall repeat to you the description of the opulences of Lord Vishnu given by the Vedas and Tantras. Um, given in the Vedas and Tantras by great authorities beginning from the lotus-born Brahma. So this knowledge is dis- received in disciplic succession. Um, there's a beautiful verse. Arjuna asks this question to... Arjuna asked this question to uh, to Lord Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita that, um, you know, with our limited conditioned senses, with our material senses, how can we perceive um, the absolute truth? How can we perceive the spiritual world? How can we understand you as the personality of Godhead? Because our senses are imperfect. So how can we... Um, receive perfect knowledge with imperfect senses. So, um, Krishna says, Evam parampara praptim imam rajarshiyovadu. That, um, when we approach a bona fide spiritual master in disciplic, in disciplic succession, then we can receive transcendental knowledge. 
So the knowledge coming through the disciplic succession is coming from Krishna. Krishna is pure. He's perfect. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He knows everything. He's the creator of everything. Right? We have so many verses. Ishvara Parama Krishna, Satchirananda Vigraha, Nadiradir Govinda, Sarvakarnakarnam. Krishna is the supreme controller of all controllers. He is the, um, his body, even though it looks human-like, it's made not of material energy, it's made of spiritual energy, right? Sachit Ananda, it's eternal. Krishna, he lived for 125 earth, years on earth, and he didn't look as older than the age of 20. Um, his body is transcendental, and um, uh, he's the origin of everything, yet he has no origin. He's self-manifested. And, uh, uh, and even self-manifest is not really an accurate description. Krishna is always existing and he is the fountainhead of everything. Self-manifest seems to imply that he didn't exist and then he appeared. But we can say that in terms of his advent into the material world. But as far as his personality, his body, it's always existed, will always exist, it's eternal, it hasn't, it is not influenced by the modes of material nature. And, um, you know, there's, there's, a, one of the descriptions in the Bhagavad Gita is that, um, just like, um, you know, Normally, when we think about things in the material world, we think about things that are good for us or auspicious, right? And things that are inauspicious or bad, you see? But when we act, this is another proof that Krishna is transcendental. When we act under the the guidelines of Krishna, when we act under the direction of Krishna, okay, then... um, we become, uh, uh, those, those actions are transcendental. They do not have reactions. Okay? So, um, you know, anyone who acts under the direction of Krishna um, becomes transcendental. Th- that activity is transcendental. Hey, Mother Krishna Priya, I wanted to ask you, there's a lady, a close friend of mine, Praveena, who is a Bhartanatyam dancer. She teaches. She's got cancer. Well, she asked me about it, so I just thought since I'm seeing you and I never see you and I know I don't have your phone number or anything, maybe if you would talk to her, it might help her. Okay, and I won't mention it again. So, um, but yeah, anything done under the direction of Krishna is transcendental. It's um, it's not contaminated by the modes of material nature, which the reactions of the modes of material nature may be considered auspicious or inauspicious. You know. So, um, the, the concept that things are auspicious and inauspicious within the material world are basically just a mental concoction. Nothing in the material world is auspicious because the very material energy is inauspicious. Everything in the material world is a source of misery because everything in this world that we try to enjoy is temporary. And when things are torn away from us, we go through the greatest suffering. When our family members are torn away, when our money is torn away, when our car is beat up or crashed, when our body gets an injury, disease, old age, you see, family members go through so many problems. 
Everything in the material world is inauspicious. We just, um, we just, th- this is in the Bhagavad Gita. This is, um, all we're doing is, um, we are, I want to say, um, what's a good word for this? We are imagining that things in the material world are good. We are imagining that things are auspicious here. We are imagining that somehow we're going to attain some perfection or some, you know, ultimate joy. But it's just imaginary. It doesn't exist. There's nowhere in the material world, either Krishna says, either on the lowest planets or even in the highest planet with Lord Brahma, where people live for trillions of years, you know. All of these places are a place of suffering for the soul. So it's just imaginary. That's why the Krishna consciousness, we have to control the mind and control the senses because the mind and senses are always dictating to us that, no, 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 if you get this thing, if you get this, if you come in contact with this sense object, if you meet this girl, if you do this thing, if you have this amount of money, if you have this education, if you get this job, <clears throat> you will be great, your life will be happy. Your life will be perfect. You will have no more problem. That's an illusion. It's just a distraction away from serving Krishna. Real auspiciousness means when we act in Krishna consciousness, in full devotion and in service. And that's not easy. Because it's so easy to blame others, especially blame God. People do that. They even write books about it. Blaming God, blaming everybody else, blaming the government, blaming their you know family, blaming their community, blaming their... Just going around, just blaming, blaming the husband, blaming the wife, blaming the manager. But the real thing is, the reason we're doing that is because we're too afraid to look at ourselves. And to see how entangled we are in our petty selfishness, in our... Uh, uh, you know, what, what lack of concern for anyone or anything. You know, that's what anartanivritti means in chanting. Anartanivritti, you know, means the clearing stage. So it means to actually look at how horrible you are. Why doesn't Krishna associate me? Why can't I, why don't any of my relationships really work? Why does everything always end in misery? When we start to question that about ourselves, then we start to actually, you know, purify. And nobody wants to do that. It's not fun. It's not fun to admit that we're fools. It's not fun to admit that we're selfish. It's not fun to admit that we're actually very ignorant. People, I remember, um, I was asking one of my god brothers, you know, hey, you know, do you ever preach to your parents? He said, no. I said, what's wrong? He said, because I used to bring it up, but... Um, 
you know, they're not willing to admit that every, my parents are not willing to admit that everything they've done in their life up to this point has been wrong. I mean, why would we ever take birth? Why would we ever agree to take birth in a body which is plagued with disease, will go through old age and death, and have to struggle and work day and night just to be maintain it? Why would the eternal soul ever agree to that? Prophet said that the reason is because everybody in the material world is a little crazy. You see, but, it, but it's so easy just to read this and forget about it and walk out the door and just go right back to the same, you know, eating, sleeping, mating, and defending, you know. Um, Sutta Goswami said, offering obeisances to my spiritual master, I shall repeat to you the description of the opulences of Lord Vishnu. Okay, so <clears throat> we're hearing about the opulences of the Lord for a number of reasons. One is so we don't take him cheaply. Just like people don't understand the opulences of Lord Vishnu, and so they'll worship the demigods or they'll worship some powerful man. You see? When in comparison to Lord Vishnu, the demigods are like just insignificant, like particles of dust. Imagine, you know, like even not even the Supreme Lord, not even the, 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 the forms of the Lord in the Vaikuntha plants, but even the Purusha avatars that appear within the material world for creation. So, Karanadakshai Vishnu, from the pores of his skin, universes come, manifest. There's no, not even Lord Shiva has that power. I mean, we're talking about like, you know, universes coming from somebody's pores like droplets of sweat. You know, they talk about the creation coming from an explosion, but nobody's ever done that. Nobody's ever blown up anything and created something except a big mess and a loud, horrible noise. The, 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 the example in the Bhagavatam is that just like we in these, you know, small, these tiny material bodies can perspire droplets of sweat. So in the same way, the Lord with his gigantic form can also, his body will sweat, but not just droplets, not just like an ounce of water like we do, but he can sweat a whole ocean of water. Like as Garbhadakshai Vishnu, the Lord enters within the, every universe, and then from the pores of his skin, become he fills the entire bottom of the universe with an ocean, the Garbhadakshai Ocean, which is the water, the original water within the universe that's the, the source of creation, the, 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 the foundation for the creation of everything. That makes more sense. And I think it would make a much cooler movie too. Okay, it's getting late here. Let's see if I can get up. What do we got here? Okay, we have one purport right here. You got to go now? Yeah, me too, actually. Okay, so I'm going to stop right now. I read up to text number five. Tomorrow's text number five. All right, everybody have a great day. All glories to Srila Prophet. Hare Krishna.